RNMD is a show about hospital relationships from the perspective of doctors and nurses. You're very smart, and we know that you would never come to a podcast for medical advice. So obviously, call your non-podcasting doctor and nurse team if you need any medical care. Oh, and we should also mention that we don't represent any hospital at all, ever. Okay, start the thing. And welcome to RNMD, a show about doctors and nurses working together in this mad world of medicine. I'm Abby, your nurse host. I'm Laura, your doctor host. Uh, welcome to this week's bonus episode. Also, we're Whee! already losing our shit. This is going to be a mess. <laughs> I can't stop laughing. I'm in <laughs> such a weird mood today. <laughs> uh, so, so that's what we're going to talk about today, basically, is uh, healthcare workers are in a weird place right now, you guys fucking losing my mind over here did we ever have it (laughs) no i mean like inherently we're weird that we went Mm -hmm. into healthcare, but it's been worse recently well and by recent i mean two years yeah i think that's fair um i think that's fair and maybe worse in the past like month how many times how many times have you and i fought or just like fought and then immediately not fought over the past i don't know I feel like we never actually fight, though. It's not like a real fight. It's like, hey, let's do this. And I'm like, yeah, let's do it this other way. Not even really. (laughs) Not even not even really that. I don't feel like we fight. Or it's like, hey, I don't want to talk to you right now. Hang up. I'm I'm like that with everybody. I'm like that with my dog, my beautiful dog. That's why I don't have a dog is because I'm like, "Mm, you're in my space too much. I had a dog for like a week and I was like, "Mm." yeah, you're really really too interested in me and I don't like that. (laughs) <laughs> yeah <laughs> you have some issues you're We're like not talk about why <laughs> why do you like me dog <laughs> give me some space you want to be around me every day oh my god all right just uh oh wait okay wait <laughs> tell the most depressing story <laughs> I'm this sorry, like, I don't mean to laugh, but like no, it's, it's so fucked up. It's a fucking hilarious story. Um, <laughs> this is like way TMI probably for this podcast. So I'm gonna tell it anyway. So at the beginning of the pandemic in like April or something, 2020, uh, I was, you know, an ER resident, so obviously doing great. Um, and I was like, I'm gonna get a I'm gonna get a dog. Like I have some I have a week off, I can get a dog. It's appropriate amount of time to get a dog. Uh, and I followed this rescue that was near me. And they had this beautiful Catahoula leopard dog, really pretty dog, but he had the same name as one of my ex-boyfriends. So I was like, mm, no, that's weird. Mm, and then they like kept yeah. posting pictures of this dog. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to go meet this dog. And I met him and he was like the perfect dog. And it was great. And I adopted him same day. And I changed mm. his name. I changed his name to Ginkgo because I'm a big plant nerd. Um, okay. And then like four days later, Ginkgo was like doing some some not not normal dog behavior <laughs> like trying to oh, eat people no. stuff so i like took Aww. him back to the rescue i was like hey what's up with this dog and they're like oh shit and they took him to the vet and he had brain cancer so anyway the lesson here is do not adopt a dog <laughs> with the same name as your ex-boyfriend during a pandemic <laughs> or he cursed. will die of brain cancer um, he was cursed so wait let me <laughs> that's the only lesson you can take from this i i need to get this straight okay so you a healthcare worker working uh-huh. in arguably one of the worst departments of this pandemic 
you tried to do something nice for yourself and for your mental health. And you went and got a dog and the dog died the first week that you had it. To be fair, there were some red flags there. Like there were actually a lot of red flags here. Like, Just like your boy, ex-boyfriend. Yeah. That's, a, that's a later episode. We'll talk about our pathology okay. later. It's fine. Um, but yeah, so that was, that was, it was actually really funny. Cause like, it's not like it kind of is. Cause it's just like a ridiculous story. But then I was also like one of our hospitalists that I absolutely loved was like, he had the, like the flattest affect of all time. Um, and every time I saw him, I'd be like, Hey, like, I, I don't know why I was obsessed with this guy. I was like, this is like a 40 something year old guy who has incredibly flat affect and I'm going to make him love me. And that was like my whole project <laughs> in residency. And I did like uh-huh. homeboy loved me. Like we were besties. <laughs> So I was like, look at this dog I got. And he was like, oh, okay. Like it was the most emotion I had ever seen him like display. He's like, oh. And then three days later, and then three days later, I was like, hey, bad news. My dog died. And he's like, what? (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. That's so dark. (laughs) (laughs) It was like, it was one of those things. Like it was just so fucking absurd that I'm just like, all right, well. Uh, I guess okay. this yeah. this it, is what the universe wants for me right now. Yeah, this is like a big no, like big no on Laura having a dog. Um, anyway, this is not the point of today's episode. Wait, actually, it kind of it kind of ties in. We like we did this by mistake, and I actually love it. So we decided that we should probably talk about Laura and I were sort of ranting about different ways that people try to help you um, when you're struggling to cope in a pandemic. Right. And and the fact that all of our responses are maladaptive and we laugh about my dog dying, like maybe we're just not the most normal people as well. Yeah, maybe it's us, but it's fine. (laughs) Um, But like I, I just felt like we needed to talk about, you know, what. I think I've heard a lot of people feel similar things. Um, and like, we need to talk about how you can actually support healthcare workers in this time of need and crisis and pandemic. And obviously it's going to be different for everybody. Nobody is exactly the same, but I think the fact that you and I experienced really similar things. Um, oh, Lori just sent me a picture <laughs> of the beautiful dog. He's so pretty. <laughs> he is so pretty. Wait, I th- feel like we need to put a picture of him on IG for everybody after this <laughs> when this episode goes out. Yeah. R.I.P. to Kinko. He's, I, have, I have a lot of pictures. He's a good dog. For Well, He's until so he like tried sweet. to kill people because he had brain cancer. But before that, that he was a really good him. dog. That was not his fault. He's that a was a brain boy. cancer. Yeah. R.I.P. Um, yeah. But anyway, uh, I feel like we just were talking about it and we had like a similar approach to like this is what people think we need and this is what we actually need. So I feel like let's talk about it. So we're going to title this episode, how can you support your healthcare worker or something like that? Um, It'll be catchier than that. That's the theme though. Um, So how did this, like, how did this come up? We were were talking about me yelling at my mom, right? Yeah. You said that you got in a fight with your mom and really, she didn't even really do anything other than offer kind of support, general support for you. And we were sort of talking about it. And I related to that because I felt that way with friends also. Yeah. I think that's been like, it's been a hard thing of like, this has been a really terrible two years. Like, I mean, no one's gonna, that's not like a surprise. It's been a really terrible two years. And I feel like it's been really hard to talk to, especially like non-healthcare people about. Yeah any of this partly because like at the beginning we didn't want to scare people like people it's just like you can't relate to it unless you've been in it you just can't like it's Mm -hmm. you know it's like yeah 
What do you say? How do you, how do you talk to people about this shit? If they're not, if they haven't been in it. If you haven't been like, (laughs) you know, that feeling of like, oh, this person's sad is 40% and you're like, oh fuck. Like, oh, all right. Like I really don't want to intimate. What am I going to do? Like that or that that moment of like, oh yeah, I'm going to be the last person this person talks to before they're intubated and they're never going to come off. Like, you know, that's like a shitty thing. And I think we've all experienced some variation of that trauma over the past two years. I mean, regardless of our professions or roles in the hospital, I think we've all had sort of some variation of that being, you know, the, the text being the last person to touch someone doing CPR before we call it. Like everyone has like these traumas from healthcare in general, but over the past two years, it's just been so, um, in your face. So much. Yeah. Yeah. So much death. And, um, you know, a lot of times like in the ICU, we do have a lot of death. I, I can cope with death. That's, you know, part of my job. I have learned to accept it. I have coping mechanisms that I use, um, that are effective, but, when we're talking about people who were otherwise relatively healthy, you know, their risk factor was maybe they were over 50 and had, you know, diabetes or something. And then they went from being totally fine other than those two things to intubated. That to me is very difficult and it's very senseless also. Um, and you, you know, you get senseless deaths, but this is a lot of them all at once. And then you're also asking for the public to cooperate, which I think is something we don't really have to do that much. Like certain things we do, you know, um, STIs and things like that, but it's, it's never like this. And, um, to rely on the public to kind of understand the, the problems going on inside of the hospital without working, that's where I feel a lot of trauma. I feel a lot of trauma related to people telling me that it's not that bad mm-hmm. and trying to, here's, here's, I think where I related to what you were saying about your mom is I get that non-healthcare workers don't know what to say to us. I mm-hmm. get that. And they're just trying to maybe make you feel good or positive or something in that moment. But the problem is it comes across as really insensitive to be like, well, I heard this new variant isn't that bad or, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's like, well, you're not really there. And I would prefer you to not try to put a positive spin on this really difficult thing that I'm trying to process when you haven't been there. That's how I felt. Yeah. And I think that's been because I've like been in it through the entire thing. Right. And at the beginning it was hard because like we weren't protected. We didn't have PPE. We didn't feel safe. We didn't know what to expect. And then like, it got a little bit easier, honestly, for a little bit because people Mm -hmm. weren't getting as sick for a while. Like after the first two waves, maybe like there was a little bit of a break and people weren't getting as sick and people were doing a good job of social distancing for a little bit. And then like, that's, what's been really hard about this wave for me is that like, we have the vaccines, we have masks, like it's you can get in 95s on Amazon. And I, I know that that's like a position of privilege to be able to afford in 95s. And like, I get that. But like, like at this point, you know, healthcare workers have been through this for two years. I haven't gotten COVID like in two years. Like right. I, I know how to prevent COVID. I understand, like I understand my risk. Um, and we have vaccines and we feel safer. And now it's like having the surge, the surge that I'm in right now where I'm at is the worst surge I've been part of. Like we had it really bad for a little while in my residency and this one's a lot worse and people mm-hmm. are getting sick. Like everyone's like, Oh, this variant's mild. It's not like I've had really sick people. Like these are people are as sick as they've been at any point since the, like the third wave, I think. 
Mm-hmm. So for me, it's like really hard. I got in, a, I think I, I told Abby this, but I got in like kind of a, a fight that was like not exactly a fight. It was just like a, I'm not taking this shit kind of conversation with like mm-hmm. a non-medical friend because they were like, yeah, like people are doing the best they can. You know, people are trying to be safe, Ugh. but like you can't live like this forever. And I'm like, that's, uh, that's not true because I'm doing, I'm not even, honestly, I'm not even doing as well as I could. Like I, I recognize there are times that I could be better about like PPE and, you know, distancing and stuff. But even with me saying I'm not doing the best I could, I still have made it two years without getting COVID. So the fact that we're seeing all these people that are getting COVID because they're not wearing masks, they're not distancing, like they're not taking even basic precautions. It's really fucking galling at this stage of the pandemic. Yeah. Like, oh, like people are doing their best. I'm like, no, like we're, we're, we're in the same phase of moral injury and like having to deal with this like senseless preventable death. And then people are like, well, you know, I did my best. Like, no, you didn't, (laughs) you didn't do that. I hate the phrase, I did my best. It, it's the same to me as um, I I was being safe or we were being safe. I hear that a lot too. It's like, oh, well, I had a New Year's party at my house, but we were being safe. And it's like, well, what's being safe? What does that mean? Because I don't think having a group at this point in the pandemic at your house indoors is safe, period. So yeah. I don't know what safe means. I mean, unless you are all testing before, you know, a couple of days before and quarantining before you get together, which is something I did for Christmas because Christmas was really important to me. And again, going back to, I'm not perfect. I'm not saying that I'm perfect. Right. But that was my one risk of relatively this entire last six months, maybe, um, you know, I'm like basically quarantining myself and like, to your point, if I didn't get COVID in March, April, May of 2020, when we didn't have masks and we were over capacity with 100% COVID patients and um, we were intubating left and right and I did not get it then, why are you getting it now when we have the vaccine? And like you're saying, I it is a position of privilege, but we also have, at least in some of the bigger cities, places that you can go and get free masks. You can use a bandana if you need to. Like there are solutions to like if you are not in a clinical setting, right, that yeah. you can use, I, you know. And, and it's not, and like um, the, you know, the bandanas aren't ideal. We've never been pretending that they're ideal. But like how right. many people do you see on a daily basis with nothing? Like, right. Exactly. You know, like I'd rather you. Best. Yeah. Right. I'd rather you do something if that's a financial burden for you, you know, and you have to put food on your table for your child versus buy a, because masks are, they are very expensive. Mm -hmm. I just bought some KN95s and they were like 50 bucks. I mean, they are, I get it, but there are, this is not what I'm seeing though. That's what I'm, I guess that's what I'm getting at. It's, that's not the problem. It's that people are over it and they just want to pretend like this strain is the cold, a cold and move on. And this is like a really hard conversation to have, I think, because like, I think, you know, we do want to acknowledge our privilege and I do like, I don't want this to be entirely about personal responsibility because the government's also failed us, like completely failed us at every stage of this, every stage of science, like scientific communication, every stage of messaging from day one saying that healthcare workers didn't need to be wearing masks in the hospital. Like they failed us every single step of the way. And some of those decisions, like, I mean, I've done like some, like, like strategic analysis, I guess, of these for some classes, some of their decisions, I'm like, this is the wrong scientific decision, but I understand why they did it. Like, I don't think it's the wrong strategic decision, but the shit that we're seeing now of like, there's not access to free testing. There's not access to mass Mm -hmm. testing. Um, there's not free masks mailed to everyone's house. Like Mm -hmm. there, there are things that 
should have been part of our public health response this entire time. And it is the failure of the government that those things haven't happened, that communication hasn't been better, that people don't understand Mm -hmm. like the actual risk and things to do like that's a that's a higher level failure but we also can't say that individual responsibility doesn't have a role in this you know it does yeah it definitely does and I think it is important to point out you know we've had two different administrations um in the White House during this pandemic one very different than each other right very very different but also handling it relatively the same so it really does it gives you no confidence when you're looking for these leaders. And it really, to me, it make it makes me feel sort of foolish when I've been saying since the beginning, look to the CDC, look at the World Health Organization. And then when the CDC comes out and puts something, a recommendation that you can go back Um, If you're asymptomatic, you can go back to work uh, five days after testing positive and you don't need to test again when they put something like that out. And in it, if you read the statement, it says that it's because of staffing. It says that it points out that it's not evidence based, that it is strategy. So when you're looking at that, it's pretty hard to go back to people who have been vaccine hesitant and say, well, trust the CDC because I don't trust the CDC at this point. And I'm not saying everything that they say is wrong. I'm not saying that, but I think we do have to look at it. Like, why are they making these decisions instead of making sure that we have the things that we need? Right. Yeah. There was like a interesting conversation on Twitter about this of like, all the healthcare workers who are calling out the CDC for these like absolutely horrendous recommendations. And then people were like, well, you're just, just like shaking people's trust in the CDC and you're going to hurt vaccine efforts. And I'm like, one, the people that aren't vaccinated at this point probably aren't following this conversation all that closely. Like you're pretty, you're probably either not following a ton of vaccine literature or you're not going to get the vaccine no matter what because you're committed to not getting the vaccine at this point. Like those are sort of the people that are right. vaccinated at this point. So I don't right. think those they, are the populations or the people that are following me on Twitter, you know, like right. looking right. for a reason not to trust the CDC. But more than that, like it's not my responsibility to protect the public opinion of the CDC. It's the CDC's exactly. responsibility to put forth good information that is trust, like believable. And it's just not like if right. you're putting forth shitty recommendations, I'm allowed to call you out on that. Like, your way to preserve actually, trust is by putting out good recommendations. Like, Right, right. It, it's actually, I feel like your responsibility to call them out. If they're not acting with integrity, they need to act with evidence-based recommendations, period. There, for, To me, there is no room. And these people, they get paid a lot. There's a lot of funding. There's a lot of political support. Even when you're talking about union support, the American Nurses Association, all of these places that we go to for leadership within the healthcare structure, they support the CDC. And and then you look at it and it's like, oh, well, the CDC is just kind of making recommendations. I mean, I know you and I had this conversation. It harkened back to me that time when they told me, uh, you know, and all of us, but I felt like they were speaking to Uh me because I was, you know, middle of March in Manhattan in an ICU. And they're saying, if you don't have a mask, which my hospital is saying, we probably won't have some soon for you. Um, if you don't, you can go into this room with a bandana and we are intubating, we're doing aerosolizing procedures. Mm -hmm. I mean, 
you cannot say stuff like that and then expect me to just go back to trusting you. I will never, I will never trust them again. You know? Yeah. It's been interesting because like in one of my classes, like a non-healthcare person asked me like my opinion on the CDC and Fauci and like various other things. And I'm like, I mean, Fauci, I think from a medical perspective is a genius. Like he literally wrote the internal medicine textbooks, like all the respect in the world for his medical accomplishments. But it's also like, yeah, like I, I get what you're saying, my guy, like, you know? Right. I mean, it's, yeah, I understand. Are, it's hard. To, some... It's hard to trust this, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about, let's talk about what are some of the things that people have tried to do for you to support you during this. And then let's talk about what you would actually prefer. Okay. So things, <laughs> I feel like we should disclaim this with like you and I might be sociopaths and we're like mm, emotional support. Get out of here. Like we don't like that. But so that this is might- <laughs> a, that is a little bit a part of working in healthcare. a mm-hmm. little bit, though. Right. Is that you do have to kind of learn how to manage your death emotions? and dying. Yeah. yeah. And your own way. And you really don't need to rely on someone else to help you process that. So let's let's take this in turns. I'll do a don't. Then you do a don't. How about that? OK. OK. So the the big one for me is that like. It drives me nuts when people are like, when either people want like, oh, how bad is it? What's, you know, what's, what's the deal? And like, I'm like, yeah, it's, it's bad. Like what, what are you not watching the news? Mm-hmm. Like, are you not paying attention? And then they want me to like reassure them like, oh, it's going to be okay. Like, no, like don't put that like that level of emotional labor on me to tell you how bad it is. And then tell me you don't believe me mm-hmm. when I do like that's no, stop doing that. That's, yeah. That's one thing. Um, Yeah, I, mine is maybe along the same lines, but I'm going to say it anyway. Um, I was told a lot that, um, you know, yes, COVID is bad. I love it when people say, I'm not saying that the the virus doesn't (laughs) exist. And and I'm like, all right, you already, we're done. We're done. Yeah. I already don't like what you're about to say. Um, you know, I'm not saying that it doesn't exist, but you worked in the ICU. So you saw the worst of the worst. So what they're implying is that my view of it is skewed and it's not. And let me tell you exactly why I have said this before. I, I helped open the first COVID unit. Um, I worked med surge. I was working in the float pool at the time I was all over the hospital. And then I subsequently got upgraded to the ICU. I saw these patients go from walking, talking, eating, texting to intubated and dead in four weeks. And it was really bad. And they were not people who were on their deathbed. They were mm-hmm. our parents or younger, frankly, and, and healthier, frankly. Um, and so that really gets me like, well, you don't understand. And it's like, well, who the hell are you? You weren't in the hospital <laughs> at all. You don't so know you shit. Think you, yeah, you don't know yeah. shit. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's interesting from like, you know, from my perspective in the ER of seeing literally all like the full spectrum of like, we did see the the really sick ones. And we also saw the ones that were totally fine and could go home. And both of them were not great because when you have like one of my shops here, we had like 115 people coming to the ER just for COVID testing last week. And yeah, they're fine. Like they're not just the sickest patients, but like that's still like, let's look at the drain on that, on the healthcare system that my population tripled in like a single day for COVID testing. Like, do we need to talk about how, even though 
they weren't that sick, that was still really bad for healthcare. Like that's, you know, that's not great. Right. That point is completely missed. I think on people who don't work in healthcare, I think they, and, and also the fact that people have been avoiding the hospitals for Mm -hmm. two years and now they're, now they're coming in. And so that coupled with people that are coming in for testing and and then you get your regular and I I'm going to speak for you because I feel like I need to say it. People who are coming in with like their tooth has hurt for two months and now all of a sudden they come to the emergency room. Like all of this together just makes it like the Mm -hmm. whole system is collapsing around us. And even if let's just say for 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 the sake of argument, right? We don't have enough data to say that this is true. Let's say this new variant isn't as deadly. Does that mean that we're seeing fewer patients at the hospital? No. I don't think so. This I don't highest, think so. This is the highest volumes I've had since before it started. Like it mm-hmm. was when COVID started, I was like middle of my residency and it went from our volumes went to like 30 or 40%. And now yeah. we're at probably 120 to 150% of what I was seeing before that. Wow. It's crazy. Wow. And like, the thing that you touched on, but I really want to like sort of hammer at home. I feel like no one is going to be listening to this who's not healthcare. So we're probably just preaching to the choir. But you know what? We have oh, a captive audience. We have a captive audience. And I'm going to say whatever I want. Um, we're like, ranting. Yell with us. We love <laughs> this it. Is our, this is our therapy because um, I I don't know. It just is. Because um, you anyway, don't go to therapy yet. We're not going to listen. listen. <laughs> okay. All right. This is a fight okay. for another day. Um, okay, fine. Anyway, so... The number of patients that I've diagnosed with metastatic cancer in the past year relative to, you know, all of my training before that is like, it's not even, it's not even a comparison. Like it's probably like at least one every couple of weeks. And I don't work all that often and I'm still diagnosing people with metastatic cancer, like on the reg. And that's from not coming to the doctor for two years. Like that's an effect of COVID. Like they didn't come to the doctor at the beginning of the pandemic. I had a guy that came in after he had had a heart attack three days ago because he went, he was like, his heart rate was like 30 and his, he was in florid heart failure from ignoring his heart attack for three days because he was afraid of COVID. Like that's because of COVID. Like this isn't just right. COVID. That's the issue. It's all of these right. other effects on the healthcare system that we're feeling. And you know, that means yeah. literally everything we're on, we're on a tangent. This is like not how you support your healthcare workers. I No, I, I think health, I think we, okay. I could be wrong unless unless everybody is different than we are, I feel like this is support. Mm -hmm. Acknowledging the reality, acknowledging exactly how hard this is and saying, you're not the only one that feels this way. There is camaraderie in that. And there is safety and security in that. Like someone gaslighting you and telling you that this variant isn't that bad and you should be fine. That's not support. (laughs) Uh, uh, Let's talk some more about other ex-boyfriends. No, just kidding. Let's not do that. (laughs) Let's not do that. Let's uh, no, not get into that. I, I mean, <laughs> but hey, also. Let, but also my ex-boyfriend who I care very much about, we are very close still, very good friends. Um, we have conversations like this also, you know, non-healthcare person. And it's, it's really frustrating. It's really, really frustrating. I it's, like, I don't, I mean, you wrote this thing. Uh, it's on impact in healthcare. I, I think everybody should take a take a read if you can uh what what's the website laura it's from kevinmd.com um yeah what is it called um i don't remember sorry i'm trying to change my thermostat because it's suddenly very hot in here i'm listening oh okay um it's it's from kevinmd.com and laura wrote this uh really brilliant article about I don't know how to explain to you that you should care about this. And that's kind of where I'm at. It's like, 
I don't know how to tell you to do this anymore. And like, if you are going out to parties, indoor parties without testing, without quarantining, and you you're just still think, not fucking vaccinated, like half the people yeah. I know in South Carolina, like, yeah, like, I just don't know what to say to you anymore. And, and it's also, okay, here, wait, I'm going to do another don't and then you do a don't. Okay. 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 Don't decide not to get the vaccine and then ask me to argue or explain it to you at this point in the pandemic because to me you have made up your own mind already there's a lot of information out there you've seen what this virus has done it is all but shut down our entire world for two years if that's not enough evidence that you should go get the vaccine at this point, I'm certainly not going to convince you. And it's really draining and very traumatizing. I'm going to use that word because that's actually how I feel. Mm-hmm. I feel like I have people I love in my life who don't understand, aren't going to do it, and they still want me to get in this conversation with them. Do what you want to do at the end of the day. You're an adult, but please don't. It's it's very triggering. It's yeah, very it triggering. I don't know how else it to is. say it. <laughs> I guess we are just going to get into all my shitty relationships today. Uh, my favorite <laughs> one is I have a an ex who was military and has spent the past two years telling me that it, it's not as bad as I'm telling him. And I'm like, okay, cool. Well, I'm telling you that I've had the experience of intubating 35-year-olds who are going to die. Like, you know, I'm, I'm mm-hmm. telling you that this has been like a true traumatic experience. And he's like, well, I think you're just overreacting. And I'm like, can you fucking imagine if I did that to like a member of the military? Yeah. Like, are you like, are yeah. you kidding me? Like, but yeah. he still isn't, isn't vaccinated, doesn't think it's that serious. He's like, well, if I get it, I'll be fine. I'm like, yeah, cool. Your mother will not like, all right, good luck. Right. Like, so right. that's been, yeah. I agree with that. So don't fucking gaslight us and just thinking it's not as bad. Like, no, we've lived it. We, we know exactly how bad it is. We know exactly how real it is. Don't try to fucking talk to me about this. And I'm going to actually add to your point of if you are not vaccinated, do not come to my ER and tell me, oh, well, I just need the antibodies. One, the antibodies don't work anymore. They don't work on Omicron. You're out of luck. Like, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. And also, yeah. like... <sighs> Like we, 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 you could have made your own antibodies. We gave you the, we gave you the option. We right. gave you the chance. So now right. people coming in and expecting us to save them when we already did, like we have the science that could have saved you. And now you want these antibodies that like, maybe like maybe will reduce your chances of staying out of the hospital, but like they don't even do that anymore. Like, mm-hmm. no, like just that, that drives me up the wall. And obviously like before Emicron, when the antibodies were still working, I gave them to people and I, I was maybe a little bit rude to them. I'm not going to lie, but um, but you did it. You cared did for it, them. Yeah. yeah. And, and like the way I explained it was like, yeah, these are antibodies that work less well than the antibodies your body would have made if you had gotten this free vaccine, which is true. Like, I mean, is that rude? Yeah. Maybe. Like it might be rude, but it's also true. It's science, like scientifically accurate. So sorry. Right. I, I guess, um, I'll add to your point. I'm not going to use a don't in this one. I'm going to use a why. Okay. Why? Would you doubt the experience of healthcare workers for two years? Why would you call Fauci names and post on the internet constantly and say the vaccine? We don't know what's in it, even though you could Google all those ingredients and do that, quote unquote, do your own research. And also every single person that says we don't know what's in it drinks either Mountain Dew or Monster, every single one of them, everyone. I will die on that hill. (laughs) Okay, so why would you do all of that 
then to get COVID and go to the hospital, to the people that you claimed were exaggerating, lying on death certificates, crisis actors, all of this bullshit. I don't know what what other word to use. Bullshit. Why then are you coming to us? You don't like us or trust us. You think we're all out for a money grab and this thing's not that bad, remember? And, And the thing is... You at least if they would come to us with COVID and it was really bad and they would go through that experience at the other end of it, maybe they would say, well, you know, I was wrong about this. I haven't seen that. I actually have seen people that kind of come out the other end of it and they're like, yeah, it wasn't that bad. And I'm like, you like almost were intubated. You almost died. Yeah. I mean, I actually have. I mean, I've seen I'm obviously I stalk med Twitter a lot. Um, and I've seen a lot of people who are like on their deathbed and it's like, I should have gotten the vaccine and that I actually have some sympathy for. And I mean, I'm going to, yeah, know, I'm gonna I do, do my, too. I'm going to do my best for all of my patients because I have, I don't know, I'm a glutton for punishment, I guess, but like, like, and I think it's our responsibility, but at the same it time, is. it's really hard to feel sympathy for people who are telling me that they don't have COVID as I try to take care of them with their COVID. Right. And I've had that, like right. I've, had, I've had people leave AMA hypoxic because yep. they're like, COVID's not real. You're trying to kill me. Yeah. I'm like, all right. Yeah. Yeah. You can do yeah, that. Like, had, that's fine, but it's not, it's not smart. Yeah. I, I've had, I've had that same thing. And then they end up coming back a lot of the time and then they're intubated. And, um, you know, uh, I do have, you know, I do have sympathy for anyone who gets sick and dies. I mean, uh, that's the truth. I, I feel bad for almost anybody. Uh, I don't want anybody to get sick. Um, but there's a difference between, it's not like you're not going to help them. It's not like you're not going to do your job. It's not like you're going to treat them any differently, but there is a different level of compassion that you feel right for somebody who maybe was immunocompromised in the beginning and were scared or like early on when the vaccine first came out, those pregnant women, I understand why they were a little hesitant in the beginning. Right now we have a lot more data on it and obviously you should get vaccinated if you're pregnant today, right now, if you're not. Um, But I, I can understand that. So those pregnant women who got critically ill, um, during that time, I, I had, I had sympathy. I had com- a lot of compassion at this point. If you are anti-science, you're anti, I, I will do my job, but I, I don't have compassion. My one caveat to that is like, I think there are, this goes back to sort of the government failing. I think there are populations who still just don't have good access to the vaccine or can't take a day off work if they feel sick the next day. Or like, I mean, we mm-hmm. should be having literally door to door vaccine campaigns. Like if yes. we were actually committed to public health, we should be going door to door and doing education and giving vaccines. So, I mean, I mm-hmm. have some compassion for people who live in, actually I have a lot of compassion for people who live in areas who don't have access to vaccines or who don't have, you know, the science trust education. In, yeah. Yeah. If you have, yeah. if, you, if you're a population trust that's in the been, medical system, exactly. Yeah. yeah. If you're a, a population that's been historically disenfranchised by the medical system or the government, I, I understand that. But like people who are mm-hmm. just like willfully not vaccinated right. because of like political agendas. I'm like, all right. Yeah. Well, yeah. I'm going to take care of you, is. but I'm going to resent you for this is basically what it is. Like, yeah. I'm still going to take care of yeah. you. I'm still going to do my best. And I'm going to be pissed when I leave work because like you put me at risk. You put my, like you, you were making it so I can't be around my loved ones. I have to take this personal burden of responsibility because you won't. And I resent that after mm-hmm. two years of doing that, you know? Sure. Yeah. I, I think that's a good point too. Um, and I, I'm, I'll give you an example of a, a stark contrast. So, um, in my job now, uh, you know, I represent nurses, uh, all over New York, New York city. And when the New York state vaccine mandate came out, 
some of the nurses were upset and, and I want to side note this and say, I think the media really over made this over, you know, what word am I looking for? Over blew it. No, that's not yeah, a word. Overblown. It was overblown. They the media it, they blew it out of proportion. They, the, the media blew it out of proportion. Um, yes. because it, I saw, and I can't share this data cause it goes with my job that I'm currently at, but I saw the numbers of the hospital that I was working at of the people who were not willing to get the vaccine. There were some, it was not, they made it seem like half were, this was not what I saw, at least where I was. That's not what I saw. Um, but there were some, right. And the difference that I saw in that situation was we're talking about a maybe a hospital that is deep in the Bronx or deep in Brooklyn that is traditionally um, staffed by uh, women of color and they are making less money than the other nurses at different hospitals. They have a history of uh, the medical system experimenting, lying, not educating. We currently have these statistics where black women pr- disproportionately die during uh, childbirth than white women. I I understood their concerns a lot better. It was a lot easier to hear that conversation than the Trump supporter white women groups, and they were groups, out on Long Island. It was a very different conversation that we had with those two groups. And the people on Long Island, they the police had to be called because they got confrontational and violent. And that's not that's not what happened when we were in, you know, the Bronx and in Brooklyn. It was these it was these women of color who have trauma in the healthcare system saying, I need someone to sit down and talk to me about this. And that's what we did. We had a doctor come and answer questions. And at the end of it, most of them chose to get the vaccine. So to your point, yeah, why aren't we doing these campaigns? How come there wasn't a, a better educational component on it, right? So is our takeaway from this, I'm trying to bring this back to our intended purpose, which <laughs> we have done such a bad job of staying on topic. I feel like yeah. the message with this is we need to be fucking holding the government accountable for these public health failures. Like if you want to support yeah. your healthcare worker, you need to put the burden of this shit on the government where it belongs. Like, and I feel yeah. like that's been like a big thing we've talked about a lot is like, this has fallen on healthcare workers to go to these extraordinary lengths to make things work because the forces that be like, you know, the people that are supposed to be in power aren't doing jack shit for us. So it's like, cool. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have to figure out how to like, do critical care when I don't have the drugs or the tools that I need. I'm just going to figure I'm literally MacGyvering shit in the ER right now. Right. Like it's kind of fun, but like, right. it's not like, it's not good healthcare, you know, <laughs> it's, it's kind of yeah. fun. I'll, I'll send you some articles, but um, <laughs> like that's, if you, if you want to support your healthcare workers, you need to fucking hold people to task for this. Like this needs to be a burden on every single administrator, every single government official, every single person that has made these decisions that have put us in a situation where the healthcare system's crumbling and it's fallen on us to try to keep it up because no one else wants to take fucking responsibility for it. That's how you can help yeah. me. Yeah, also, that's how, yeah. also, donuts help. <laughs> or pizza. Okay. So, so, okay. Um, don't, okay. I'm going to say one more don't, and then we got to go into the do's. Yes. Okay. Okay. I, don't it made me it kind of triggered me when you said this that um you know hold your government accountable instead of putting the burden on me so what i would say is please don't 
make me feel like you admire me Mm -hmm. or thank me for my service. Yeah. I don't want that. I don't want to be thanked anymore. Don't thank me. I want you to call your representative. I want you to have an outcry of the CDC's Mm -hmm. recommendation. I want you to go to your neighbor who's not vaccinated and try to get them to make an appointment. I, I, I have an example, someone that lives in my building, just a really older man from Poland, and he just didn't have, I love him, I love him. Um, he's like my little best friend in the building. But he doesn't have any family. He doesn't have anybody here to be like, hey, he wasn't really plugged in to what was going on. And one of the people that I know essentially just made an appointment for him and was like, you're going to get your vaccine. This is the date. I already scheduled it for you. It's at the pharmacy around the corner. Mm-hmm. And he went and got it. Yeah. That helps me. Yeah, that helps public me. service. Yeah. <laughs> I agree with that. Yeah. Like, I mean, I, like, I don't get angry when people thank me. But I don't really know how to take it either. Like I'm, yeah. I'm doing my job. I love my job. I signed up for my job. But like, I feel like thanking me for doing my job in a pandemic is just a way of taking everyone else's responsibility away. If there's like, oh, thank you so much for making these sacrifices. Right. Like, no, don't thank me. Just like make it so I don't have to make these sacrifices. Like I'm happy to do this job. Right. This is a job. Like I, I signed up for this career. So please make it so I can just do my job rather than having to like save your ass. Like. Don't thank me. Just like uh, yeah. make it easier for me. That'd be great. I I think that's the underlying thing when we're talking about like, you know, the discussion you had with your mom or the discussion that I've had with my friends. They are, they're not trying to do anything or say anything wrong. They're actually trying to support you. And that's, I guess, what the conversation between you and I w- was like, well, why does this make us so angry? And it's because it does put this kind of martyrdom angel thing on to me and say, well, you're just wonderful. You're going out and helping people. I don't need to be like this sparkling diamond of human society. I want to be a trash bag like everybody else. And I want everybody to be safe. And I don't want to have to carry a pandemic anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And like, that's when I, I didn't really fight with my mom per se, but I was just like, I feel like she was trying to cheer me up and trying to be like, oh, you know, let's talk about lighter things, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I get that. And I, I get that it's like probably honestly pretty hard for non-healthcare workers to talk to me right now. Cause like I literally yeah. like just like trauma dump at all times. Cause I'm just like, yeah, like here's this horrible thing that happened. Cause like, that's what my life is. And that's like the only thing I, I have bandwidth to talk about right now is mm-hmm. like the two years of suffering that I'm still currently involved in. Like, so right. I get it. It's really hard for like non-healthcare people to be friends with us right now. But at the same time, yeah. like you distracting me or trying to be like, I mean, to a certain extent, yes, send memes, send dog pics. I love that. That's actually very supportive. That's a do. Please, actually, that's a do. That's a do. That's a do. Please send yeah. me memes. I love memes. <laughs> um, yeah. But like at the same time, like if I call you and I'm like clearly upset and like ranting or, you know, telling you about my day at work, like I don't need you to be like distract me or try to cheer me up. Like, please just don't try to cheer mm-hmm. me up because this isn't something that mm-hmm. I should be cheered up about. Like we should all be feeling the same sense of urgency that I feel about this. And I think think that's what it is for me. It's like people trying to cheer me up, make me feel like they're not taking it seriously anymore, which is what I'm seeing in everybody else in society. So that's not really a helpful thing. That just just like worsens the the despair of like, oh, no one else cares. They want me to cheer up and stop talking about this. And I'm like, yeah, I would love to stop talking about this. Please let me by fucking ending it. Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's almost to me. It feels like it's more about them. That's mm-hmm. what it feels like. It, it's more about them with and my behavior. Yeah. Yes, 
Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about do. So do send dog pics. Do send memes. Correct. Do, how about do listen? If I am having a bad day and maybe, maybe I am difficult to be around, you can, you have a choice too here, right? You, if, if that is too much for you to handle, you can say, listen, I, you know, this is a little triggering for me. Like maybe we can talk tomorrow and I'll, I'll respect yeah. that. That's okay. And then That's you totally and I will fine. trauma dump on each other. That's why we're friends. Yeah. <laughs> it's totally fine. Yeah. She'll, she'll call me. I'll call you. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I think if, if you do have the bandwidth, just listen and say, that sucks. That yeah. sucks. Sorry. Yeah. That that sucks. Like I I'm sorry that you still have to deal with this. I'm sorry that people are not getting vaccinated. I'm sorry that people aren't taking it seriously. That's not fair. Yeah, I think that's a good one. The other thing for me is like this is like kind of a silly thing, but uh one of my friends from school um I like posted something on my personal Instagram about just like how like how bad things are right now, which is not like it's not like cry for helpish. It's not it's just like people should know. And it, that's sort of my entire agenda right now is people not in healthcare need to know how bad it is and they need to be just mm-hmm. in it, as invested in keeping it afloat as we do. And until people who are not directly affected by what's happening right now care about what it means for them in the next six months, nothing's going to change. So mm-hmm. like I had posted some shit on Facebook or on Instagram or some form of social media and she like saw it and she just just texted me a, a Uber Eats gift card. And I'm like, that's like, yep. All right, cool. Thank helps. you. <laughs> yeah. Like that helps a lot. Yeah, yeah. Like she didn't text me like, Oh my God, I'm so sorry. Thank you so much for being there. It was just like, Hey, I see you. Like, and like, I know again, this is privilege. Like I know not everyone has the means to financially support their healthcare mm-hmm. workers. But I, I mean, do you remember the beginning of the pandemic when people were sending food and sending coffee yeah. and like they were, people cared about us at the beginning of the pandemic. People were like, you know, I'm going to stay home to protect the hospitals. Like it felt like it was a sense of community where people were actually looking out for healthcare. And I think that's, what's really hard right now, as far as moral injury and burnout is feeling like no one else gives a shit. So what you can really do for us is one, give a shit. And then two, send us food and coffee because we are very tired. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. And I love, especially if you're an extrovert, but you think the person that you love or the person that is your friend who's dealing with this is especially if they're an introvert, but just in general, I think too, just send, even if it's five bucks, I had a friend, she's got, she, she's pregnant with her first baby. She, uh, they just bought a house. They're broke. Like, let's just be honest. They're broke. And listen, I've been there like most of my life. I've been there. I get it. She sent me five bucks on Venmo. She did not text me in the little caption. It just said, get a coffee at work. Love you. Mm-hmm. That made me that five dollars made me feel so much better than anything, almost anything that other people have done. I, yeah. I had um, some people that I hadn't talked to in a long time uh, that live in North Carolina. You know, we used to be neighbors they just sent me two woodworking masks. This was at the beginning when we, you know, we didn't have any PPE and, and just like a nice note. And that yeah. was it. And it wasn't, it wasn't like, oh my God, you're incredible. You're a hero. It was no. just like, think, thinking of you, this is what we have to offer yeah, you. Exactly. And it was like, thank you. There was like a period of time at the early stages of the pandemic that my residency class, we just like sent each other around the same like $15. Like someone, someone was in <laughs> yeah. each other's socks. Somebody was in each other coffee. Someone dropped off cookies. 
I mean, I still have one of my residency classmates. We just, we literally just Venmo the same $15 back and forth. And it was like, here, get a cocktail on me, get a coffee on me. Like, it's just, there's yeah. no point. Like we're, we're never spending it. We're literally just Venmoing it back and forth, but yeah. like, it's actually kind of a nice a, thing. Like it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's not about the money. It's the gesture. Yeah, it's, it's just the, like thinking of you. I'm in it with you. Like that's actually like, yeah. it goes a lot further. And like, if any of my friends listen to this, please do not Venmo me because of this. Like you don't need to, but like, <laughs> but, but do like, you know, take a, like take a carafe of Starbucks coffee and just drop it off at the nearest ER and be like, Hey, like yeah. my friend's an ER yeah. doctor. I thought of you guys. I wanted you to have something like, exactly. you don't, you don't need to send it to us. Like I'm actually relatively okay. <laughs> it's fine. But like, just, <laughs> I feel like every healthcare worker in the country is just like, yeah, no one gives a shit about us right now. Everyone needs that support. I don't care who you take it to just find a healthcare worker and be like, here's $15 to Starbucks. Like everyone needs it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a do. Okay. Are there any other do's? Um, if you have any friends who aren't vaccinated, do your absolute best to convince them to get vaccinated or take it seriously. Even if they've already had COVID, that's a big one. Yeah. Um, Just wear your, wear your mask. Even, even if you think it's annoying and even if you're like, I'm outside and there's not a lot of people here, whatever, like just wear the mask, please. Especially when we're talking about a variant that has shown to be more contagious than others. Um, Please just wear it. It's a really simple way to just show support and solidarity. Yeah. And just um, to make all of us feel like the world's not giving up I think is the big thing right I think the thing that we're not talking about and we're not seeing on the news is the morale of healthcare workers and that's like Mm -hmm. what I'm actually afraid of like COVID I don't want COVID I'm very afraid of long COVID but the thing that I'm actually afraid of is the morale of healthcare workers and the healthcare system itself just crumbling and that's what is Mm -hmm. that's what makes it hard to go to work you know yeah absolutely yeah it's it's hard to watch your coworkers going through that. It's like, it's kind of traumatizing too yeah. to like see what they're going through. Um, I keep, I keep traumatizing you know, Abby no. by calling her. <laughs> I think, um, you know, I think this all does stem in, in some aspects, especially if we're talking about someone who's calling you and trying to relate to you and trying to make you feel better, even if they're doing it the wrong way. I think it goes back to there's been an overwhelming sense of guilt by a lot of people during this pandemic. And I think that people like who are family members of a healthcare worker watching you go through this and not being able to do anything, there's probably a lot of feelings about that. Right. Yeah. Um, and I, I think like even now, and I've heard this from other people, you know, because of my foot, I can't be bedside. This surge, when it hit, I felt worse than I did in the beginning. And I wasn't even in the hospital. And that was part of it because, and you know, Laura and I have had this conversation at least when you're in it and you're there, it's terrible, but you can do something. You're with your colleagues. You're, you're, you've got your gear on. You are fighting this virus. Sometimes when you go home, there's like this helplessness or guilt that you're not there. And I, I felt that a lot when this new variant came more than anything else. I just felt like I know exactly what they're going through. This whole thing. I felt like that for you. I felt just like it's, literally a war zone and there is nothing I can say or do, you know? And I think that is some of it. Like people just, sometimes they just don't know what to say. Yeah. And like, I mean, with all of this, I don't want to sound like unappreciative because I do like, I do appreciate like, I mean, you know, my mom, my mom's like the best person in the world. Like she's yeah. like, she's like, 
she's, we love you, Kim. We love you. <laughs> we love you. Um, but like, she's definitely not listening to this. But anyway, um, <laughs> I respect her more for not listening. Yeah. I'm going to be honest. She's, she's like, like, I have things to do. Well, no, she's like, I already had to listen to Laura talk for like two hours yesterday. Like, we're not doing this again. I'm like, honestly, yeah. Okay. That's fair. Fair. Um, yeah. not, she's not wrong. Um, but anyway, like I love my mom and she's like the most supportive person. And most importantly with her, she like, doesn't get mad when I'm like, okay, I have to go and just hang up on her. Cause I'm like, I can't do it. Like, <laughs> I think that's the thing is like, I'm not trying to be unappreciative to any of my friends that have reached out over the past two years, uh, and shown of support, course. but it does mean a lot, but I think, and most honestly, most of my friends, like the people that I actually consider friends are also doing all of these things. It's like these like casual right. acquaintances who are like, I don't even know. Just like, yeah, they'll see me at the grocery store and be like, Oh, everything's like, how are you? Thank you so much. And I'm like, you're not wearing a mask. You're at the fucking Uh, grocery store. Like, what are you doing? Like, you know, the people that I'm close to, I like, I truly do appreciate everything that even if it isn't exactly what I need, like I appreciate the intent. And I think we all do like all healthcare workers do, but like to a certain extent, like I need emotional support less than I need this shit to be over. And I need you to be contributing to this shit being over. And I think every healthcare worker in the world is pretty much at the same place right now. Yeah. I I think that that's the bottom line do is just do everything you can to not spread COVID, to not overwhelm the healthcare system. That's how you can support me. I don't need to be a hero or your rock star or whatever you want to tell me. Um, and I think there is sometimes this, um, this weird, it's like trauma by proxy or something where like sometimes people want me to get into my really dark places of COVID. They want to hear about it. And like, I can't always go there. Mm -hmm. I have a life to live. Like I have to move on to a certain degree and process it in my own time. I can't just like walk down the street, stop on the sidewalk and tell you about my favorite patient who I watched die. Like I can't physically live like that, (laughs) you know? Yeah. Uh, and that's, um, I mean, I'm, so. I think I'm a little bit on the other end of that of like, yeah, if you, if you're like, oh, like how has COVID been? I'm like, yeah, if you're going to fucking ask me, like I'll trauma dump. I don't mind. Like bring it, bitch. <laughs> like, yeah, I think that's, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's sort of the other side of the cur- the coin. Cause I think people do sort of want these like reassuring lies, you know, they want to be like, oh yeah, like people are really sick, but they do. Okay. Yeah. Like, no, that's not been my experience. Like people are really sick. And yeah. I am like, do you want to call your wife before I intubate you? You're probably not going to come off the vent. Like, right. You know, right. like. I was 27 having that conversation. Like, cool. Let's, let's, let's bring this. Like, you want to know how it was? I'll tell you, you're not going to like it. You're going to want me to stop talking very fast. Like (laughs) as with with most things, you're going to want me to stop talking, but, (laughs) um, okay. So that being said, I think, I think we're saying the same thing. We do. We, we appreciate people's love. We appreciate their support. We appreciate kind words, but we just really all just need this to end now uh, more than anything, more than any kindness, more than any coffee, more than anything. We just need this, this COVID might not ever fully go away, but the way that it's being spread right now is not necessary. It's preventable. Yeah. The public health failing that we're having right now that is rooted in capitalism, that, that could end like, is COVID going to disappear? No, it's not. It's here. It's going to be somewhat, somewhat endemic. I think for the rest of our Forever. lives. But yeah, at the same time, we don't need to be having basically just mass casualties because we don't want to put a pause on the stock market for a couple of days. Like I'm still right. not sure about that one. We don't need to be doing that though. Like that's definitely not mm-hmm. the correct answer. Yeah. 
Yeah, so. the the economic burden. Yeah. Okay. I think we I think we nailed it, right? I mean, at least or from we, our perspective, with this is two people. We put a nail ev- in something. Yeah, we nailed something. Yeah. Uh <laughs> speaking for every healthcare worker in the country, this has been Abby and Laura. <laughs> Yeah, also, we speak for everyone. Yeah. <laughs> I also feel like it's worth stating that um with within my ADHD, I'm always fidgeting with something. And Abby, you're gonna like what I'm fidgeting with today. Do you want to see? Yeah. Oh, it's our safe staffing saves lives pin from Rad Girl Creations. I love that pin. I also I love, love it. this pin. It's also very like tactilely satisfying. Like it's fun, to, it's fun to fidget with. So thanks for the fidget is toy. It? it is, yeah. Oh, that's nice. pretty it's cool. Like, yeah. Oh, the backs are beautiful on her pins. Yeah, yeah. they're like rainbow colored. I love yeah, them so great. much. Or what do you what do you call that iridescent or something? Is that know. iridescent? Mm. Or is iridescent clear? I think this is iridescent. Don't add us. <laughs> We're just gonna say it's iridescent. Don't add us. We don't care what iridescent means. It, it's shiny. <laughs> yeah, it's shiny and pretty. Okay, I think we're done, right? Yeah, sure. Thanks, guys. Okay. First episode, bye. Bye. bye.